attached. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't lose it. <laughs> <laughs> good morning. Good morning. And welcome to Duality. I'm your host, Ash, and I am here with the lovely Fiona. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. It's my pleasure. It really is. It's really lovely getting to meet you and getting to know. And like we were just chatting about right before we went live, you know, we had a a nice four-hour cup of tea where we got <laughs> to know each other a little more and it was kind of hard to not have the whole podcast when we were sitting there. I know. We I had know. our own personal one and that was beautiful and needed. So Sometimes things just need you speaking to, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, today, uh, well, what that, that evening we were talking about all the different topics that we would have and that we would potentially like to explore and the thing that kept on coming up was, you know, is it worth my time and my energy? Yeah. And um, we were kind of talking about how how to how to determine that, you know, how to determine what is worth our time. Yeah, I think because I have a small business and I think of myself as a brand and what I stand for, that is really, you know, that impacts the way that I come towards things and the way that I tackle things. And then on top of that, I told you last year I had breast cancer. So I had. Uh, a little bit of a kick up the ass about thinking how I spent my time, and of course when um, I had to, I had to go through radiation treatment, and it kicked my ass. It generally does, and so there was a lot of really frustrating time when I had to just sit and be, and so there was a lot of thinking time there for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot of times, you know, we go through these different experiences, whether it's like with our personal health or with you know others, loved ones around us, or just different more um i i want to say traumatic you know experiences yeah. where makes us reevaluate like w- why am i spending so much time on this and where can i deviate my time and it, it sometimes it, it could be hard to not beat ourselves up for that you know and um other times it's like you know really it can be encouraging if we allow it to be to be like oh like hmm, i could delegate time that i'm putting all this energy and time into this and i could put it into this that would make me feel a little bit more neutral, especially when we navigate the tides of life, you know, because yeah. we, we never necessarily know what's going to co- come it's, up. It's quite interesting though when you have, I mean, you have a field of expertise and I have a field of expertise and quite often people come to me asking me questions or for help or assistance, whatever. And, you know, over the last, definitely over the last year and maybe two years, I've had to really draw a line as to, what it what somebody wants from me and mm. what exactly they are hoping to get out of it and what exactly they are going to put into it and and also what I'm getting out of it as well you know and so I think that it's not I'm not necessarily talking about a monetary thing I'm talking about sometimes it's about whether someone just comes to me and wants to make demands on my time as opposed to respecting my time and respecting my expertise too Absolutely, because a lot of times, you know, people are operating from that survival space. Oh, I love your rings. Sorry, oh, I got you. distracted. <laughs> <laughs> They're so cute. And uh, but yeah, sometimes that people, you know, they are in such survival mode that they don't even realize that they're being like essentially energy vampires or that yeah. they're pushing against limits. And that doesn't mean that okay, we can over empathize and then allow it like. By no means do I mean that, but it's also just like looking at it from the bird's eye is like seeing how a lot of these people, because I know especially in in my field of just like, you know, holistic wellness and speaking with people, whether that be readings, whether that be an aesthetics client that comes to me and like, 
you know, a lot of times with 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 facials, it's funny because like when people come for treatments, when people come for a reading, it's one thing you know what you're expecting. We're going to talk about certain things. Yeah. But with facials, you don't necessarily expect people to want to talk, but some people do, and like a lot of people have. So like I think it's an intimate thing. Absolutely, it's an exchange of energy too. Absolutely. you know. So yeah. of course, and of course. and in those in those spaces, like I'm I'm grateful for people to like open up and things like that. Simultaneously, you know, when it comes to like after whatever the set treatment is, and I, I'm a firm believer, like you know, like we're like therapists, it's like oh, okay, like the hours up, you're, you're crying, okay, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like I I like to give a little bit of space after to just like be a human and, and like, collect you know, themselves, yeah, yeah, exactly, and just like integrate, and then. But I've been very guilty of giving way too much space and people really taking advantage of that. And then by the end of it, I'm super drained because someone came to me for, you know, a 20-minute reading, half-hour reading, and three hours later. It's still you know? going. I yeah, know. I know. Yeah. This, it's, it's quite interesting. I was just thinking on the way over here about – I had a conversation with somebody yesterday – um, and it was funny because I can't, I can't find myself bloody quoting the Barbie movie. <laughs> the whole speech that America Ferrera makes about how what the expectation is of being a woman. Mm. And I think that quite often we are brought up to be, you know, it's the idea that you're a nurturer. And women, unfortunately, so often don't value their time and give too freely and don't set enough boundaries and don't keep enough space for themselves you know and I'm speaking to it as somebody who is single and childless happily so and um, I know that as a you know as a mother you can expect your children to make demands on your time but when it comes to dealing with other women who just it's that idea that you just keep pouring in and pouring in and pouring in and never ever taking care of yourself that's another matter. And I experience that quite a lot. And it's funny because people come to me knowing that I don't have the demands of family and thinking that, therefore, I can give more time. Mm. And that's not the case, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I made a choice to live on my own. I like living on my own. And I need that time to take care of myself, you know. It's taken me a long time to get to those points where I know when I can draw a line. I mean... I used to be a wild party animal and I'd go out to bloody everything, you know, and now I am quite happy. I'd be like, no, I went out this week once. I can't do it again. <laughs> and I mean, and, and as much as I love going to events and being around lots of people, usually the next day, I have to be on my own. Yeah. I have to regroup and, and ground myself <laughs> and just have some me time. And also usually to process all the things that I have been you know, taking on board. It's funny because um, I have very interesting thoughts about when people talk about being an empath. I do believe that a lot of people do take on board more things, but I think that if you see yourself as that, that you have a responsibility, a bigger responsibility to take care of yourself too. And have, and know where to draw the line. And, you know, this is something that I have personally struggled with throughout my life is like discerning what is mine and what is other people's. And not only what like when I become aware of someone else's stuff not having to take ownership and or not having to feel like that's it's responsible ownership. for me to word. fix it yeah. yeah like it's like sometimes I like I have felt in my life just because I'm aware of this now it's it like I need to help you know and it's and and you know and that's still valid but it's like who's helping you like you know you have to draw the line and have certain boundaries like people 
especially people that might be more energetically sensitive, whether we're talking empathic, intuitive, mediumship, whatever the case is and the medium that it that's coming through to you, it is that much more important to make sure that you are cutting things off when you need to energetically. So yeah. you're not taking everything home with you. You know, you could look at it like a therapist where it's like you can't, you know, in order for a therapist to function and, and, and help speak with so many people, like they need to be able to leave it there. They can't take it home or else yeah. that's going to affect their whole life. And it's like, also, then you're walking around with so many other people's stuff and you don't even know if it's yours or theirs. And then you can't help anybody if you're hurting you by not having boundaries. Yeah. And I think people need to also be more mindful. And pe by people, I also mean myself. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, With the matter of having the same boundaries I have in real life, like in the three-dimensional, you know, with humans in the flesh, also in the spiritual, in the energetic, I need to maintain those same boundaries and yeah. or sometimes even enforce them more. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But it's funny because, you know, we were talking just before this about being entrepreneurial. And, you know, when um, I was I was just saying when I walked in that as a small business, I think of myself as a brand. I think about what I stand for. I mean, I think about um, what that rep what that represents to myself and to other people too, and so the use of uh, my time is really intrinsic to what I'm what I feel I'm worth. Mm -hmm. When we were just mentioned, we were just talking about the idea of knowing ourselves and knowing our worth, and I have to say that over the last few years, that for me has become increasingly important, and that it's very. Um, it's very easy, like, it's very easy when you have a small business and you have other friends at small business and they'll be like, come help me out with this or come do this and come do this. And I have increasingly learned the value to go, you know what, darling, that's just not for me. <laughs> and it's not a pushback, it's just a, that's not going to work for me. And I think a lot about how as a person, as an individual and as a business, because we are, <laughs> I mean... It's called the Fiona Special. I am part and parcel of the whole thing. So I think about how I'm going to take any momentum that I have and keep it going. And I think about the energy that's involved, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's so important to know how to say no. To know how to say, <laughs> that's not for me. You know, especially like... Apparently, if it's done with an English accent, it's much better. <laughs> it's so true. It sounds so more like appealing on the ears. <laughs> and it's 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 interesting. Like in the process of, um, you know, I feel like I'm I'm sure it's not only just limited to women, but I am a woman, so I'll speak on the fact of my experience as a woman. Just the expectation to be a people pleaser and to, oh. to do everything for everyone and. And to, and to not, you know, just make sure everything is taken care of. And, and like you were saying, being the nurturer for everyone. And so to say no and not care if you're perceived as a bitch, to not care if you're perceived <laughs> as whatever, but to know why you're saying no and to know that you're honoring yourself in that no. I always wonder, like, if you were a fella saying no, would the pushback be the same, mm. you know? And I feel like some, in some cases, yes. And in, in a lot of cases, no. In most you know? cases, no. Yeah. In most cases, no. So I had a, I had a, a you know, I work as a fashion historian and as I sell vintage clothes too. And I had a conversation the other day with somebody. There's a TV show on that I haven't seen, which features Coco Chanel. Now, 
Coco Chanel was a very unpleasant person. That is for sure. But she is judged on, I believe, on being a woman. I mean, she did some terrible things. But she was, first of all, I mean, she came out of an orphanage. She was a survivor. She created a brand that is known all over the world. And here we are, hmm, hundred or more than 100 years later, and her name is still out there. Now, she... Um, it, the, the pushback generally on her is that she collaborated with the Nazis, which she did. The other part that is rarely talked about is that she also worked as a double agent and she collaborated with the Allies too. She played them all so she could get what she wanted. Mm. And she did some unpleasant things for sure. But I always wonder if they would speak about her in the same way if she had been a man. Mm. you know. And I think that... I have to speak about that because that fashion history is my is my world. Mm -hmm. But I think about the judgments that we level on women who are ambitious or who are determined. And you know, even now, I mean, I looked. I said the other day, we've got this election coming up. Is this the best that we've got? These two old blokes, you know, and. You see, I you listen to the election process, or I tr I try not to listen to it too much, but I just think that the patriarchy we we don't even acknowledge how entrenched we are, even at this point in history, with dealing with patriarchy. You know, it's just over and over and over to a point that the other day I said something bloody hell. I got to check myself. I just said something that now I think about it. That was wrong, you know, and I think. That, I mean, from my generation, I, I was brought up in a generation where a woman still really kind of subjugated what her wishes and desires were in order to fulfill the, the role of wife and mother. And, you know, that use of the use of their time was almost dominated by others. So it's, it's funny now when you see women in industry who... Um, I mean, you see someone who's successful. And, uh, I mean, the conversation I'm talking about, someone said, yeah, but she has a nanny. And I went, fucking good for her. I hope she's got a maid as well and a housekeeper and all the support team that she needs in order to be herself. Mm. You know? Because of how much the, in the, even in feminine spaces, how much judgment on other women there is because of the expectation that everything needs to be put all together. Yeah. And it's like, that's a perfect example. It's like, you know, there's, I mean, and there are, there, it's a lot of nuances and there are great areas and there are people that, you know, absolutely can utilize the support to do what they need to do. And then there's also people that take an extreme of it and, you know, there's obviously areas within it, but it's the instant judgment. Yeah. It's the instant judgment that comes up. And, and, and I feel like it's very indicative of the way that we judge ourselves, you know, and, and that being it internalized. It bleeds down through everything. And yeah. it, it's to a point where we don't even, a lot of the time, even acknowledge it. Yeah. And that's... It's very normalized. That's the, but it's normalized. Mm -hmm. And that's the dangerous part about Absolutely. it. You know? I completely agree. I feel like the mix of, like, what the way I view it when it comes to, you know patriarchal things and 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 where it comes down to i also feel that you know the patriarchy has also really harmed our like our men as well you know Absolutely. as well as us and and that you know a lot of times people won't be able to hear uh women speak on on our our experience and our rights because the the 
the trauma starts to perpetuate in, you know, women getting suppressed and then women trying to suppress men and like in the in the eye for an eye case. And I find that it, it's like we lose audiences. And I believe that there can be like, um, you know, being neutral with everything isn't isn't always uh, possible. good it's or not possible. possible, you know, and there's a Where time there's people, to be. there's politics. Absolutely. And there's definitely a time to be to take lead and, and to and to and to make and talk on different things. And I just I, I find myself in a lot of women dominated spaces yeah. throughout my time. I mean, in the, like, the area that I work in is predominantly female. Yeah. yeah. And, and in those processes, like I've actually found myself having to put a stop to the, the man hating, you know, in a lot of ways, because it's like I support women, but that doesn't mean I hate men. Like, exactly. do I think exactly. that, you know, they got a lot to learn? Of course, <laughs> of course. They it's, re- it's really great. Right. I have to say to move for me to move in circles where there are younger men who are so many of them. I don't mean to sound patronizing, but they're really making a bloody effort. They're yeah. really trying to be for better, sure. you know, and um, I see younger women as well being accepting of that. And they're being I mean, now I love that the fact that the generation generations that are younger than me are a little more gentle with each other in my opinion you know i think um mind you if you look at bloody social media i'll be like <laughs> but it's it's very in, it's very interesting like here I, I you know i grew up in england so um as you can hear from my voice so my outlook comes from a slightly different point of view you know although things in the uk now are not entirely dissimilar from the United States, but definitely not as extreme as they are in the United States. You know, and the other day I'd mentioned to someone how this idea of this old, old, uh, it's not even a theory, this old uh, policy of divide and conquer, which is just, which it dominates United States politics. Because so long as people are at each other's throats, then someone else can do something that they want to get on with. Mm -hmm. Like, while they're distracted over there, I mean, it's so so simple, but Mm -hmm. it works all the fucking time. All the time. And people eat it up, unfortunately. Yeah, they do. They do. So whether it's men being pitted against women, or whether it's women being pitted against women and it's so funny because that narrative is so dominant and not men pitted against men except in sort of professional arenas you know so um i think it's it's very interesting to to go back to that and just to see how that that keeps going that keeps going and i mean i love the idea now that seems to be becoming more prevalent is that we don't compare ourselves to each other that we're all doing doing our own thing as long as you're trying to be a good person when you're doing it that really counts for a lot you know but by the same token you know come back around to the idea of is it worth my time it's like trying to walk a line between being uh thoughtful and also Mm self-serving and self-serving is at one end of the spectrum and 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 thoughtful is in the middle and acquiescing is on the far is on the other end of the spectrum you know and it's really it's it's all balance it's all balance <laughs> looking at your yin yang sign you know it is but it's and it's a hard balance but i think it's a harder balance for a woman to take on board absolutely i completely agree and in in all of the different things if you like look at like the thing that uh, still 
blows my mind, but also not really, is like the studies on things when it comes to the science of women and how science has mainly been based off of men, you know, and in, in history and only until I believe it was the 80s that they started taking, like, so when you go to the doctor and everything was based off of a man's you body. You mean all the medical findings. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's just, there was something I was, I was reading the <laughs> other day and it was talking about just like our reproductive system and how it's still like, such a mystery to society amazing huh and it's like it's like we're, we're we cr- still don't know how we work and 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 we're and we weren't taught it like i mean i i mean i can speak for myself i'm very fortunate that my mother's a, a registered nurse and worked in a gynecologist's office uh-huh. so i was very privy to you know my insides but most people weren't you know we didn't learn we learned about sex before we learned about what menstruation was yeah you know and that's like incredibly crazy so it's like you know (laughs) is it worth my time going back to the topic like i think it's worth our time to get to know our bodies to know ourselves in that way you know it's it's, it's, um to know ourselves yes to know ourselves i think you know from my point of view as a woman in her late 50s who has gone through menopause i increasingly am vocal and talk to younger women about who are in their say their early 40s i'm like start doing some work now start doing some research now start doing your hormone panels now start knowing what is happening to you now so that when it comes along and it's probably going maybe it's going to be a rough ride you have all the tools that you need because they're certainly not provided easily you know and that is something that is worth time because if you don't have I mean, my menopause, I joke about it because I didn't really go to sleep for about three years. And um, that made like life kind of hard. It was really difficult. So, and I wish I'd been more proactive. I just moved to New York and it all start, things all started happening to me. And so I was kind of, and I was at grad school and I was like, fuck, what's going on, you know? <laughs> but I think I could have prepped. And, and it's funny for me to say this as someone who is, who is so... Um, on top of things normally in a health kind of way for me to not take that on board to not really I mean if they're lucky all women are going to go through menopause at some point and yet it's a still a taboo subject yeah with my eyes running <laughs> yeah yes yeah, it is it's, it's great to see more women like I mean Stacey London she's on television but she is all about menopause. She's got so much research and she's mm-hmm. you know, a figure of popular culture who has turned because of one, what she is going through. And two, she suddenly went, God, nobody talks about this. And it's hard. And I mean, recently a friend of mine went to the doctors and said, I really don't feel great and all that. And they were like, we'll give you some antidepressants. It'll be okay. Just... Dish out some pills. Mm-hmm. Take this. You might feel okay. You might mm. not be able to function very well, but you can take this. You know. Yeah, treat the symptom that's going to exhaust the root cause, but no problem. <laughs> that's fine. The American medical industry, especially after I went through last year, is so... I mean, there's something that is worth time. Knowing, um, um, you know, unfortunately, doing a lot of research and, and, and understanding and knowing what is happening to your body advocating for yourself in that process advocating Mm -hmm. for yourself yeah Yeah. and and saying when somebody wants to just write you another prescription for something you might want to go no i don't think i'm going to do that i don't think that's going to work out for me in the long run you know but that's something if you have a lot of demands on your time that's something that might get 
neglected or pushed to one side. It's just easier to go along for the ride. Yeah. And um, I'm not. I'm not one of those people who goes along for the risk kind of ride. Especially you know? now when it comes to health and it comes to the medical fields, and especially in, in America. Like I have had a, an experience where I was talking to a doctor who was trying to prescribe me a pill for something. And, and I asked, I was like, you know, what are the ingredients in this pill? And the person looked at me like they've never what been the bloody asked hell did you that say? question. And I was like, why do you expect me to consume this? I can't, <laughs> and I don't know what's in it. You know, and you want you want to know something crazy. So when they told me I had breast cancer at the time, I was feeling freaking great. I was doing really good. So they were like, "You you have breast cancer?" And I said, "Okay, can you show me?" And they looked at me like, "What do you mean?" I said, "I want you to show me on this image of my breast where the cancer is." I mm -hmm. said, "You're telling me as a person who feels really good right now, physically really well. I have no symptoms. I don't have a lump. I don't have anything. So you're telling me I have breast cancer. So I'm asking you." to show it to me. I want to see it. And do you know what they did? They wouldn't. They kept pushing back. They kept pushing back until the, I think the third appointment I went, I said, you know what? You guys still haven't produced an image of my breast cancer for me. You're going to want, you want to perform surgery on me, but you haven't actually shown me what it is that you're going to work on. And it was, and I, I said to the woman who was like the poster girl for breast cancer at Mount Sinai, I went, why did you not fulfill the question that I had asked you the first time. Why not? And there was no real answer to it, mm -hmm. you know. And it was, I was, yeah, I'm a very I'm a cynical person and I always ask a lot of questions, especially when you're going to tell me that you're going to operate on me and I have really don't have any idea why, you know. And um, Rightfully so. Yeah, and it was, it was very... It was a very strange process, a very strange process. And if I ever have to go through it again, it's going to be a very different process because I will be that, um, <laughs> I was going to say, there's a, a British character on radio called Mrs. Mr. Angry and I'll be Mrs. Angry because it's like you are, you know, I, I will, because I was so sort of blindsided by what was happening to me, I was a little bit like a deer in headlights mm. but if it happens again i won't be i will be forewarned and forearmed and i will <laughs> at that first appointment i will sit there until they show me the bloody image of whatever they say is going on with me mm. and it's i mean how hard is it to say or how difficult is it to have to say to somebody you need to speak up you need to advocate you need to do this you know i mean the whole process of um being found with like a lump or some kind of cancer and to the point where it's actually removed is actually meant to go on for like multiple months. I think I, I told you about this where, you know, they said, well, so, you know, you have this. And I said, okay, great, let's, let's sort it out, like now. And they were like, what do you mean? I went, when's the next opening? When can you do this? Like next week? And they were like, are you serious? And I went, what on earth would I do? You've just told me I've got cancer. I've now seen that I have the tiniest cancer. What am I going to do? Sit around and worry about it on my own for like the next... No, we're going to be proactive. We're going to take care of it. So the whole process that happened to me, which is normally spread out over four or five months, I put it all into four weeks. Mm -hmm. But that's because I'm kind of pushy, apparently. Yeah, and that's a good thing because you're advocating for yourself because who else is going to do it? Yeah. Who else is going to do it? And and this is a perfect example of, you know, you know and, and, and I will say it in this space is like, you're a woman. If a man was saying that, would he be a jerk or would he be a boss? I wonder. You I know, wonder. and and would he be a person that gets things done? But yeah. Are, but but you're pushy. Yeah. 
yeah. because you're advocating for yourself and your health. I remember the, life. the nurse practitioner, she looked at me over her mask and I saw her eyebrows go up and she said to me, you're very determined. And I said, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Because mm-hmm. what As else, you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think, I mean, I was amazed all the women, all the women that I came into contact with through that time, through that, that period last year, that a lot of them hadn't, hadn't, hadn't given any sort of pushback at all. I mean, I know one woman from the diagnosis to like the follow, the diagnosis to the following um, mammogram was nearly eight weeks. What the fuck are you going to do in eight weeks? It's, I mean, the stress alone <laughs> will kill you if you've got a whole bunch of family to consider. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's quite um, the use of time in terms of being, the, the going back to knowing yourself and knowing what you're capable of and knowing what, I mean, I was joking, you know, you, you know, you came to my event that I recently did here on, on the Fair Isle of Staten. <laughs> and um, somebody said to me, in the nice way that I have high expectations and I do I set the bar very high for myself and in my professional life I mean I for a while in uh when I you know I've worked with design from the age 18 I worked with a pretty fancy fashion designer that put the bar up there for me quite high in terms of work experience and then I went and worked in the theatre and I was working in my local theatre and I'd been there for a while and then I moved to London and I worked at the National Theatre which is in in the field of the world of entertainment and the field of theatre is up with the Royal Shakespeare Company probably the best theatre in the world and it's funny because with it's only with hindsight that I'm able to really acknowledge how fucking brilliant it was I mean, there were some am- amazing things that we did. There was also some that was kind of like, oh boy. But there was a lot of really fabulous stuff. And, and the expectation was that things were done now and they were taken care of because there's a sense of timeliness in producing the show. And so it was, the, you know, the standard was really, really high. And then I, you know, I've worked also in the field of hospitality. And one of the first places I worked at was a really beautiful fabulous place with incredible chefs so again the standard is really high so why at this point am I going to go oh that'll do that's okay I'm I'm just not that person I like good things and I expect to provide good things for other people as well so that use of my time and trying to surround myself with people who will who vibe with me who get my energetic thoughts and where I'm going with that is really important really important and i think that even just having that that kind of respect for yourself is going to be very i don't want to say symbolic but more so it sets it sets the tone for the way other people to treat you yeah absolutely because you're like this is my time this is i have until 10 p.m and it's like if you know you're known for saying i have until 10 p.m and then you're there until one people will have that notion. But if you're like, okay, I'll, I'll be there for 10 p.m. and you're either leaving at 10 p.m. or maybe make an exception every once in a while to 10.30, people are going to take that more seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I find, um, I mean, I have clients who come to me and spend time with me and I have become increasingly, um, I have to say, this is the window that we have. And 
quite often if I have a lot of things, you know, I schedule my days so I have this happening at this time and this happening this time. And there's usually a half hour grace between things. But um, recently I've had to say more and more to people who were like an hour or an hour and a half, I don't have time anymore. It's not, that's not going to work because yeah. often it shows when people, it's, it's a lack of respect for your time, but it's usually a lack of respect for their, for their own, own time too. Absolutely. It's, not a per, it's not a personal thing and yeah. I don't take it in that way. It's just that you're not on the same page as me at the moment. You so know? things need to be reframed. And yeah. That, and and it's, it's, it's a thing I, I personally struggle with at times. It really depends. Like if it's somebody that's more on a passive note and especially if they're unaware, I have a harder time, you know, especially if they're in a sensitive space. And that, but if, you know, I, if I really need to do something, it's just becoming more and more pressing where I'm just like, I don't have the time for this. Like we can make time another time, but I just don't have it right now. But it's taken me a while because I fluctuated in my life when I was younger. Like I was very much so like, uh, I, I don't know, rash. Like it was just like, I would just say it, like, blunt, you yeah, know? I would yeah. just be like, I don't have time for that, you know, where, where it was almost insensitive, you know? And then I got to that point where I became aware of that, and then I was like... I like oh, to I use the phrase, although it. it sounds so weird, come that math, but I'm like, that doesn't work for me right now. Yeah. And that's really what it is. I mean, there's some, there's some Americanisms that I've picked up. <laughs> sometimes when I say them, I'm like, what the fuck just came out of my mouth? <laughs> but sometimes those are good phrases to kind of... It's like I'm not being rude. I'm just, that doesn't work for me right now, you know? And yeah. quite often if I've got, um, if I'm excited about doing something and I like to be excited about everything that I'm doing, to be perfectly honest, because what's the point otherwise for me? That's so a big if, indication of if it's worth your time. Are you excited Yeah, exactly. About Are it? you excited about it? Mm -hmm. And so I think that if I am really sort of, kind of gung-ho about something and then someone comes in and it's going to throw a curveball I either I look down and I'm like can I ride that no it's not what it's not going with my flow mm -hmm. so that's not going to work for me right now yeah it's interesting <laughs> I feel like you know so I, I put a side note on on the post for for this episode saying that like you know how I pick the the podcast in general for anyone who is unaware I talk with whoever the host is going to be and then we find the middle ground yeah so it's already a theme that's coming up whether in your my you know we find the in between when i say is it worth my time and or having boundaries with time and time management has been so prevalent since we had that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it I has see. been so prevalent to the point that even in, in but you know what i was cases, thinking this morning like why am i coming to do this is this worth my time and I thought about it and I thought it is because having the conversation with you is a bit like the conversation I need to have with myself and it just mm. reinforces things. So it's serving me very well in mm. that, just in that capacity, it mm -hmm. serves me very well. Sometimes you really need, you know, I work, I'm a business of one, an army of one. Sometimes I need some, to have somebody else to say those things to. I need a, something else to hear what I what I have to say. Absolutely. You know? This might make a few other people hear what I have to say too. <laughs> hey, you know what? I found something that bounced, uh, uh, came along that I wanted to read to you. Do you mind? If I, it's very, oh, br it's very brief. Oh, yeah, but sure. it's so pertinent to what we are saying. Let's see. Uh, here you go. It's a it's a small. Um, I guess kind of a poem by Chris Hoover Sp Spidel. 
And it says, um, listen, I'm about to grow into the fullness of myself. I was once taught to abandon. Mm. No longer will there be room for things that kept me small. Towers will fall. They are named nice, tolerance, self-silencing, deference. I assure you, this is the work of love. Mm. And I was like, mm, nice. I hate the word fucking nice. If someone ever says I'm nice, I probably want to punch them in the face. <laughs> tolerance, I was like, yeah, I don't know if we're meant to tolerate things. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Self-silencing. I am, as someone who was brought up as a people pleaser, I know I am self-silencing. And it's funny because that's a boundary that I address now by probably by being really, you know. (laughs) And deference is something. That's a very interesting word when you think about the constant just push it to the side. Just defer, defer, defer to somebody else. Don't really be in yourself. Don't really know who you are. Mm. So I thought those words were really... I don't know, maybe the internet was listening to me yesterday and just sent it my way, probably. (laughs) Perhaps, but, you know, in this case, it was a really good one. Yeah, (laughs) it was. I'm like, okay, okay, we can keep doing that, see what comes up after this, you know. But I like it because it says it is the work of love. Absolutely. And that's the thing is, like, you choosing yourself is only going to pull away anything other than love. You yeah. know, at the end of the day, when you are choosing yourself, the people who love you are going to love that. You know, I've had a the fa- right ones. Yeah. The right ones. And the people who are in the space, too, because sometimes they can love you, but they're battling their own stuff. And you doing that is triggering them. So they need space. For Absolutely. You. Absolutely. I know, like, uh, I have a, a friend who's who's like a sister of mine. And every time like she she's i've watched her journey with with uh being more verbal and being more vocal advocating for herself more and um having stronger boundaries and i've seen her progression from like having like you know when we start having those boundaries how they can be kind of rigid in the beginning and then it eases yeah. into more of like a natural flow and like sometimes she says something and i'm like ooh, look at that boundary <laughs> i love that boundary for you <laughs> I love encouraging it because it's like when you see it and you're like, oh, especially I'm super sensitive. Yeah. It's very hard for me to not take things personal. Yeah. I take things very personal. And I've been working on that for a long time. And I'm like, oh, okay, if I if I notice like, oh, even if it was boundaries in the beginning when I was unaware of me not having boundaries, yeah. I took boundaries personal. So I also had to go through my own journey of that transition of then asserting my boundaries and then finding a middle ground where I wasn't coming from a fear of not getting respected in my boundaries, but more so a not allowance to compromising my own boundaries. So not abandoning myself and less about other people and more about me. And when I became more about me with my boundaries, it became less of, I noticed it was less offensive to others Yeah, because it was, it was, it was centered around love. It was centered around self-love in in a very real way it's fun it's funny because the other day i had i was having a conversation we were talking about when you deal with uh, a narcissistic parent mm. um and you have come out with with responses that are fight or a uh, fight or flight you know and also the one that so often is forgotten which is fawn which is that idea of like almost being the kiss ass just to smooth things out. The people pleaser, when you are shaped into a people pleaser. And I was talking about how the idea that we silence ourselves in order to accommodate, and this is something that is very much, a fem- uh, I think, a female trait, is that we keep ourselves, push us, keeps ourselves down 
in order to let other feelings ride over us. Mm -hmm. Now, when I was younger, I became aware of this. And so <laughs> my attempt to address it was just by being on blast with everything and speaking about everything <laughs> and speaking to everything. And I think one of the things that I've really taken on board over the last couple of years or so is that sometimes when someone is, you know, going, I just... I d I've realized now, I mean, I, I've told you about being, I am a communicator first and foremost. Clothes are my medium, but it is communication. So um, I quite, I've, one of the great things I've learned is sometimes just sit back and don't say anything. And it's um, because sometimes there's no point trying to speak to somebody who has got their head in one place that, that they're so determined about something. And they're not going to listen to you. And it, this, that skill, that skill of knowing when to speak and who to speak to. And oh. that it's not worth your time and energy. It's just not worth your time. Don't even give them the time, you know. And just step back and say, okay, see ya. Yep. You go with your badass self, you know. <laughs> I, I really resonate with that. In that entire process, I've had a very similar one where it was like, I noticed that in myself. I noticed that I would like go into that fun space and that would be like, no, I want to do the opposite in in that. But way. a lot of that's to do with e it's a lot of that's to do with ego. Absolutely, you know, and um, protecting yourself, becoming aware of things, navigating them as they unfold. Yeah, yeah. But as I mean, I am quite. Um, I'm a chatty person, as you know. After our four-hour conversation over a cup of tea, I will. I like to speak to things, and I really appreciate the fact that you speak to things on a deeper level. I really love that. But um, small talk has got older interests me less and less and less yeah. but um the skill of being able to not have to say anything and sometimes just to step back and walk away oh it's taken me a long time to learn that one but I'm yeah. actually getting pretty good and it's a sense of discerning for one thing too Absolutely. you know where knowing whether it's worth putting your energy out there mm -hmm. and it's like and that's a huge battle for me I, I feel very similar and I, I'm at a I'm at a similar space with it where i'm i'm learning how to navigate that a lot more rather than being like now nah, i have to speak my mind i have to say exactly what's on my mind whether they receive it or not it needs to come out and it's like no that's my ego like yeah. i don't necessarily need to if it's not if it's gonna lie on deaf ears why am i gonna put my energy into that like yeah. what is that proving oh i got it out of me no i didn't it's just in front of me but it's still inside of me <laughs> so like it, in the matter of finding those moments, like, your silence is actually a lot more potent than... than silence says more than the words do. Yes, you know? and I've experienced that. I've experienced that from a narcissistic way where it was intentionally to, like, cause certain reactions. Yeah. And so I understand that in, in, the, in the psychological manipulating way, how I've received it, and then I also have received it from more well-intentioned people who just genuinely didn't have words for things and like let me revisit that when I have more words in a more gentle and honest and loving way where I've been able to discern that and I remember I remember I had I had a, a, a good friend of mine who's in the spirit world now uh, when we were younger we were in high school and I remember people would be bugging out yelling like you know saying something whatever and he was so calm and he said like three words and those three words would shake the whole room and he would just be like, okay, uh -huh. you feel that way? Okay. That's deep. 
And I'm like, <laughs> I remember looking at him and being like, how does he do it? How could he do that? I'm like, I'm 18 years old. I'm a firecracker. I have a really hard sense of having discernment for my yeah. own anger at the time. So I'm looking at this person communicating so much with so little. And I, like, I, because I'm a very communicative communicative person i communicate often and a lot of times i communicate a lot something i've been working on uh is consolidating so that i can put less energy i've been determining my, how much time and energy yeah. i'm putting into things so you don't exhaust yourself exactly i don't need to over explain or come from a space where almost like i'm defending i could just put it in one sentence and if it's taken the wrong way that's not my business it's not it's not always your business how things how things are received you know and there is a great power in being succinct with your message you know that's that's what advertising plays on and that's Mm -hmm. it's a powerful thing i have i have a friend too who is um i'll say a man of a man of few words but it's funny because he's i have to say a visually very impactful person he's very tall and it's something that i have thought about I mean, I'm also very tall, and I know that um, I can be... Uh, I mean, some people have, s- have said that they're intimidated by me. Oh, well, that's on them, because I'm not a scary person, I don't believe. But I am visually quite arresting, you know. Um, and I think that that is also a power that I can take with my communication, you know. I've, I've So much of communication is done visually, and I have to say that as somebody who speaks to fashion a lot of the time. You know, so the use of a visual and a verbal message, I mean, when people talk about honing the craft of their persona, it really is a craft, you know. It's really a way of thinking about how you deliver things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what is needed, what can be taken away, what can be centered, you know, even just the way that you, yes, speak, but the way you deliver something, whether it's in a poster or in a caption you know like is it necessary in a message is it necessary to be all that i know like you know i mean kenny is a master of being a man of a few words Uh you know and it's like something i've noticed i talk to kenny about this all the time because he is one of those people who says so much with a littler amount like it's like when you listen, like you, it's like you listen more, like you, you listen harder. Uh-huh. And it, and even though like a person could go into depth with something and that might be needed in a certain space, because I'm a person who goes into so much depth with so many things, I feel it is like so important for me to be around people who go into depth with three words. Yeah. It's like a, it's a balance in my brain and it just, it's a very like, um, it does a good thing, so I really appreciate different. That, we, that we all work differently, but yeah. the fact that you can see somebody who isn't like you and understand what that power, what the, what the way they are, what power that brings, yeah, that's that's a pretty mature point of view, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you know it, there's the there's the duality in it because like I love to be around people who also communicate a lot, yeah, you know when when we're on that same wavelength. Like for example, like when I when we had our tea, like I felt absolutely nourished. I didn't feel drained after I left. I felt like oh wow, that was super receptive. Isn't it great when you go around people and you come away and you're buzzing in a really yeah. fabulous kind of way? And I was when you left. I was like wow, that was great. So much to think about. Love that. Love that. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> I felt the same way and and i had to catch up you know on the phone after and and i was that was exactly what i was saying and i I didn't have 
like I didn't want to really speak too much after because I wanted to just sit in it and just be in that like what did I just walk away from because I'm very similar to you and you're saying like you go into social interactions and then you need time to like integrate that social interaction yeah I'm very much so like that and it's a beautiful thing so it's like I truly believe that the more you invest time we invest time in ourself is really like how you know what is worth your time yeah because the more time you put into understanding you the more you understand what is for you and what what isn't going to work for you yeah it's true i think the other thing that i have kind of <laughs> this is going to sound so lame that i've been trying to get to grips with over the last years is the real idea of goals and sometimes they are financial goals sometimes they're business goals sometimes they're personal goals and um that is something that really, of course, makes you think about time and how am I going to achieve that. And I used to be, um, maybe it's like an English thing, we just don't do that kind of thing. But um, I increasingly see the value of having goals and having things that you want to reach and achievements. And so that involves planning, you know. And like, I mean, for the example, the small event that I did recently, I saw that as something, or I, I view it as, Everything that I do, I see it as cumulative. So that would be leading to something else, would be leading to something else, would be leading to something else. Because if there's not growth, then what exactly is there? Otherwise, it's, to me, it's just stagnant. Stagnancy it's just stag or it's rotting. You know, yeah. that's what they say. If it's not growing, then it's rotting. And if it's not rotting, then it's just stagnant. It's in between. Yeah. You know, so it's not doing anything. Yeah. And, you know, not many things in nature just don't do anything for long. So yeah. it's just like a small... I mean, there are there is a cyclical nature to the things, of course. There are times when growth is more than others. But I think to be aware of that... And, I mean, I have recently found that I'm definitely associating with more people who have goals. Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay. I used to be a little bit like, oh, not those people. But now I'm like, okay, they're cool. I get that, you know. Mm. So um, maybe a bit late in life, but I'm getting there, you know. Yeah. So it's right on time. It's so, it, right on time, mm -hmm. and it's so good because um, you know here at this point in my late fifties, I have a lot of people who think I'm really young. Who think a lot of people not because of my physical appearance, but because of, especially if they hear me speak, they assume that I'm much younger than I am, and, and that's because I am committed to learning all the time. Mm -hmm. I am a, a lifelong learner. I mean, if you're not learning something, you might as well just keel over as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. So this idea, and, you know, for me, having grown up, I mean, I was joking the other day, like I never used to, even used a computer when I was at high school. I didn't use a computer until I was 25 years old. So now I'm around, I make a point of being around people. I mean, I have my young peeps who come over and visit me, and I'm like, okay, teach me two new things to do on my phone or do <laughs> something or other. It's the thing that I want to learn because otherwise I'm increasingly obsolete in this world. And that's not really, it's not really any fun to me. That makes sense? Makes a lot of sense. And I think that it's really beautiful because I find that a lot of people that have any kind of like, I don't want to say age barriers, but just are brought up in different generations. It's an attitude. It's an Age is an attitude. Yeah. And, really and feel that they don't have much to learn from whether a younger generation, and that could be like like a, a Gen Z to a millennial thing. Or yeah, like, or, yeah. You know, it doesn't totally. have to be from wide ranges. It could be like, oh, I'm four years older than you. I don't have anything to learn from you. And it's like a stigma. So like 
for you to have relations that have a, a wider range in in time between one another to be like, oh, I have so much to learn from you still. And, yeah. you know, you stick around, maybe you learn something from me kind of energy. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I see it as a symbiotic thing, you know. Like, I um, I did on Instagram, I do a series called, the uh, on the Fiona special, I do a series called Stories a la Mode, where I talk to people who also work within the world of vintage. Now, there's a lot of them. And every single one of them has has a different, interesting, often very unique and quirky personality. And every single person has a different field of interest, whether they're interested in sleeve shapes of the nineteen of the eighteen eighties, or whether they're interested in minimalism of the nineteen nineties, and everything in between. Everybody has something that they're really into. And everybody who I speak to has been like, the gal I talked to yesterday was really fantastic. She's really into 1940s fashion. So we were talking a little bit about how the demands of technology during a war period are really instrumental in determining the way that things, I mean, are impactful within the zeitgeist, and that includes fashion. So and that sounded very, as a kind of a wordy way of talking about things, but it's a very... To me, it's very, very fulfilling to whenever I have a conversation, I come away with something new. I usually have an I I keep a book for notes in front of me when I'm talking and I always have like a couple of words or a couple of things that I want to go and Google the hell out of or learn about or something like that. I mean, the reason one of the reasons I do what I do is because I learn something every single day, every day, whether it's the way that a buttonhole is put together or way the history of a label or there's just always something that, I mean it's such a huge huge world and it can be from you know the background of a designer and what impact why was that impactful you know on the way that they they design or whether it's what was the technology at the time that produces that particular fiber there's so many things to learn and for me it's just like my thing you know it's really beautiful to watch you do your thing because it's like you to see the passion that you have for it the and what it does and how it lights you up like walking into your space and you know I said this right (laughs) off the screen I want to say it on the screen because I want people to know how incredible that you are you know walking into your space and you you styled me and and picked items that fit on me more than I have ever been able to pick for myself. Really? (laughs) Yeah, like here and there, you know, especially like when I'm in my series of like moments where I have gained more weight or I'm I'm in a I'm in a more voluptuous time period of my life. Like I have struggled to style myself, you know, and when to go into a space feeling like having the insecurities going through a lot of hormonal changes in my body right now and like doing a lot of healing, you know, going shopping hasn't been the best feeling because I love going shopping, but I have a harder time when I'm at a weight that I'm not used to. And you created such a safe space for me to feel beautiful in the weight that I'm in by literally just being like, oh, you're like this? Well, boom, 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 boom. Like it's like <laughs> you were intuitively reading me and 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 stuff. But and it's styling. also when you look at from my point of view. I mean, I besides doing history and everything, I you know I used to work more as a stylist, and for me, it's always so fascinating. And I and I style men. I still do style men and women. For me to look at somebody and to see them in a way that they totally don't see see themselves. You know, like people are so extraordinary. And so beautiful. 
So to look at them and see them in a way that's going to actually maybe give them a little bit of an oomph, a little bit of a lift up, you know. Everybody has beautiful features for one thing. Yeah, you do an incredible job at that, and and you deserve to know that. You know, in your in your field, it's it's so beautiful for to watch people have an expertise. Thank you. And the fact that you are so versed not only in your education but also in your experience, and the fact that you just have such a beautiful heart and mind just encompasses such an <laughs> incredible you know way to have an experience i have really you. watery eyes right now but i'm like don't make me cry on top of watery <laughs> eyes <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, it's um you know it's really funny because um the other day i do this thing on facebook where it's just pure cheekiness on my part but when it's <laughs> award ceremony and the next one will be the oscars i write like i do a kind of fashion police thing on my facebook page and um the other day, you know, there's a lot, lot of actors that come along. And I, when I worked at the National, I worked with a lot of, you know, A-list actors. And so when I think about the process that I was involved sometimes with people, often, you you know, you're dressing up in the costume to make them look fabulous. But there are times when you're working with people to make them look like ugly or to make them look less, less attractive for sure. Or, you know, and to see people, I, I love to see... I mean, the duality in me, I, of course, I love to see everybody looking glam, but I also love to see the other side of that too. And to see how people can inhabit that, mm -hmm. you know, whether you can be, I think if you, you must really like yourself, if you can, I mean, I'm a great one. I, I do not wear makeup on a great basis anymore. It's not worth my time. I can't mm -hmm. be asked. And you know what? So, <laughs> speaking of that, someone said to me that if you know, why don't you dye your hair so that you look younger? And I went, and it was right after we'd stopped, had that conversation. I went, it's not worth my time. <laughs> <laughs> but I think oh. it's amazing to see when people can take their own, their self, their sense of self and project it over anything mm. that they happen to physically be, have on their body, you know. For sure. You know, when you see older people, especially older women who don't really often wear makeup, but they have a real immense vitality to them. That's really something that's beautiful, and that that can kind of almost be like power on blast sometimes. Absolutely, yeah. you know, you're 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 feeling to feel comfortable without wearing makeup at at any stage of your life. You know, I I remember being younger and like struggling with acne and like really never wanting to not wear makeup. And then the days that I wouldn't wear makeup and feel beautiful were like the best days uh -huh. of my life, you know, to feel like so powerful in my insecurities, you know, when I normally I would admit, just kind of Some days cover. that I feel the most fab is like when I've exfoliated the crap out of my face <laughs> and I'm like, I'm shiny today. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes, when you get that nice fresh I've got, layer. I've got that serious glow on, you know. Yeah, fresh layer. Uh -huh. Fre i got fresh skin today. Absolutely. <laughs> it's true. It's funny, but it's funny how we um, assign value to that, mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. And it's what we were taught to do. It's what we were taught to do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, talk about me saying no to, because I can't, I just can't be asked to die. If, you dye, if I dye my hair once again, I have to do that whole thing. I just can't be asked. It's not worth my time. Yeah. But it's really funny because I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who is, she's in her early 30s. And she, we were talking finances, and she was saying, like, I don't have the money for this and the money for that. And I went, darling, 
didn't you just get your nails done? She goes, yeah. I said, how much did that cost? 80 bucks. I said, okay. Got extensions? Yeah. How much did those cost? And then she, and then she started laughing. She was like, I know. I said, yeah, look at that shopping list that you regularly spend money on. I mean, I, I, from a feminist point of view, I take it quite a long way. I seriously think women cripple themselves within the, the, the idea, the genre of the beauty industry. Absolutely. I mean, um, when, I st- when I studied my um, first degree, I studied communications and I've talked a lot about advertising. And advertising, by definition, is the creation of false needs and wants. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, advertising is created to make you feel lesser than. Mm-hmm. And no better place is it done than in the beauty industry, especially in the United States. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean... I find it fascinating because that's kind of the field that I'm in. I don't, I mean, I don't do nails myself. What do I do? Face mask on from time to time, stuff like that. <laughs> but the the buy-in to that financial commitment, I mean, now there are more and more men manscaping for sure. But if you think about all the men, if you, I mean, it's from some women, it's not hundreds of dollars a year. It's thousands of dollars a year that a they month. C- Sometimes a month, sometimes a month, that yeah. they commit to that appearance that they feel the need to present. There's so many layers to it. You know, I just recently have been, I was talking about, um, I was talking about Botox, you know, and like uh-huh. it's a very controversial topic and I won't get super into that. I could say that for another podcast, uh-huh. but um, just to touch base on it, it was just like people are spending so much money on injecting themselves with neurotoxins that could actually really harm themselves in the long run because of the advertisement industry and the patriarchy and the and and the and the scope of women and beauty and that we cannot age and that we cannot have a natural process and to the point that it's literally killing us yeah i know isn't that crazy i said a a friend of mine was talking to the other day and they said that um they were talking about they're doing botox they're in their early 30s and they've been doing botox since they were 27 i think or something like that and I said, you know, there is still no long-term knowledge about what Botox actually does to us, for one thing. Um, and I, j- I'm, I guess I'm more aware of these things recently because, you know, the uh, statistics are that at some point over 50% of the population now will deal with cancer, which is a huge thing. And, and somebody said to me, I wonder why it's happening. And I went, well, what are you eating right now? You think about... It's not that I eat everything organic, but when I think about the production of a lot of things and the processing, and then I think about, um, I mean, even the other day I was like, I opened my bathroom cabinet, I was like, I think I want to jettison that deodorant that I know it's strong, but it's not like I do anything really physical that much anymore where I, I don't want to sweat. And also I'm like, because I have a scar now under my arm, I'm really aware of what it is that I put into my armpits where my glands are. So this whole thing of we just don't we don't know what we're doing to ourselves at all. And the and the way that things have changed so fast, even in the last twenty years, even since like Y two K, it's on steroids. It yeah. really is. Yeah. And um it's it's quite mind-boggling. It really is. But it's so funny because I watch a, uh, quite a lot of British telly on the internet and not too much American stuff. And um, it's so weird. I mean, like, even if you watch like, my favourite show, The Great British Bake Off, 
<laughs> which somebody said to me once, this was a few months ago, did you see that episode? I said, yeah, I love the guy who had the wonky teeth and the pimple on the end of his nose and made no attempt to cover it up. <laughs> and everybody comes on, I mean, literally warts and all, like... You see, I mean, you do see more women now who have clearly had Botox or had fillers on British television, but for the main, there's still a good representation of women who do not, who are clearly embracing their lines, embracing their older skin. And quite often when I've been around friends' houses and they have television on, which, because I don't have a TV, if I go to someone's house and the telly's on, I'm like, oh, look at that, look at that. I'm, get, I'm really bad, I get really drawn into it. <laughs> but I'm almost like, wow, look at these people. Like... They don't have any kind of sign of expression on their face. Yeah. Everybody is this like glossy version of themselves. It's, mm. and if you t if you really stand back from it, it's really fucking weird. Yeah, it's really weird. It's like a, it's 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 <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, almost like a fetish fetish. Let's see if we can say it, a fetish fetishization of things. Absolutely, and the thing is also like I I was like when my point that I was making bringing it up was to bring like awareness on on that as far as like for people who aren't aware, but also accountability for the practitioners that are pumping it and choosing to not be aware. Because if you're choosing to do something and inject someone with something, like I'm an esthetician for over seven years, yeah, you learn how to do something, and it's up to you to do the research but most people learn just enough to make money well we had a conversation about how easy it is to get a license now to um you know give someone botox yeah like i said i know a lady who is uh what if what was the word someone who takes care of children children she's a pediatrician oh yeah mm -hmm. Pe I'm, i know actually a couple of people who are pediatricians who also do botox in the same clinic like what the bloody hell do you and know? And it's like about not that? what not what you necessarily studied, but just because you're over a, a certain scope yeah. that you can do. Just because you can do it doesn't mean I mean you, you should. should do it. <laughs> I know that's kind of like me when I say to people, just because you can put those clothes on your body doesn't mean you should wear them, darling. Yeah, <laughs> for real. It um, is. It's a. It's a. It's such a. I mean, that is an immense subject that we barely, barely touched upon. Yeah. But the use of time and energy. I mean, I think about. Lots of women I know who spend hours, lots of hours and lots of money every month in some kind of beauty salon or with a nail technician or even on a tanning bed or something like that, you know. It's um, it's crippling. It cripples women, that, that um, commitment. And it's like I feel I can empathize and it's like I, I like to make it clear too. It's like it's not for people to feel like you know bad about their decisions it's more so to just become aware of like why do you want to make them and maybe you know consider like where that's coming from and if it's even coming from you or if it's coming from society and then once you become aware of that you might be able to like access a little <laughs> bit better health and like awareness of yourself you know because it's like it's just it's it's l things are left out on purpose like you talk about advertisement you know and the end of the commercials yeah are and this will give you blah 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 yeah. yeah so it's like it's the same type of thing but we have to do our part and 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 to kind of bring everything full circle in this podcast like i truly believe in order for you to understand what is worth your time you need to know what isn't worth your time yeah you yeah. need to know what isn't worth your time in order to know what is worth your time. You have to know what you want out of something. You have to give that time to self-reflect 
maybe not stay there forever because you have to put actions into things. But also knowing how you feel, you know, I've had just like a lot of different things come up for me recently, whether it's like uh, dipped into imposter syndrome or just different things that have been coming up emotionally for me, especially with people in your, you know, your close circle or, you know, the entrepreneur stuff I was talking to you about where I asked myself, like, why do I do it? And, you know, out of everything that I like, I, I do, I do a lot of things and I'm really trying to consolidate. And one of the things that came up, you know, someone had said, like, well, if you're not making money off of your podcast, like, why do you do it? And the thing sometimes that's so one, sometimes one I do I do some things that aren't obvious money makers, but mm-hmm. sometimes one thing supports another, you mm-hmm. know, Um even the clothing swap that I did recently, my friend was like, you didn't make any money out of that. I said, it wasn't about making money, actually. And I mean, for me, that that exercise, one was in recycling, which I'm pretty gung-ho about. But two, it was also an exercise in community. And Absolutely. and I I mean, I have made, I made some new contacts and I reinforced some older contacts. And um, it was important because, especially after, of course, last year, there was a lot of my thoughts about who who are my people and who was there for me when I was going through shit, you know. Yeah. So it was um, it was a good exercise, not one necessarily that you immediately tie a monetary value to, but it's one that definitely brings something else. And that's know? and that's that's where I was going with 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 that conversation. You know, some people uh, can see value in things, and like for me, like I I just felt so clearly. I'm like. Well, why do I do it? I've come to different points and, and plateaus into in doing the podcast where I've been like, well, why am I still doing? Because I never set out to do a podcast. Actually, I had no interest or uh, like I wouldn't I didn't listen to podcasts. I didn't you know, shy. I didn't necessarily see myself doing this, especially going to be five, five years. Yeah, that's um, amazing. And and here I am. And the whole what keeps me going is literally meeting people and being like more people should hear what this person has to say. Yeah. Yeah. More people should hear what this person has to say and also shining light on different topics that aren't traditionally talked about because I'm not here to do some kind of attention grab thing where it's like, oh, here, look, do like this for for my material gain. I'm just like, do like this so you can learn about something that I think (laughs) is very important. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes it is just worth doing things for knowledge. Knowledge is also power, you know, there's an old phrase for you. But, you know, when you think about, um, I said to you um, years ago when I was living in California, this man had said to me about money being essentially stored energy, which, you know, that was a really interesting thing for me to think about. And um, especially as I grew up in a family where money was kind of a bit of a dirty subject usually because there wasn't enough of it around but it wasn't really discussed how we would manage money and a, a lot of women of my age I'm going to say have really poor financial educations but that ties into the idea of knowing your worth and knowing your value you know so to see where you put that and sometimes like I said sometimes where you put that time and energy doesn't immediately manifest in terms of dollars in your bank account but there is a much longer term effect and and actually to me that shows big picture planning as opposed to just I'm going to do this now I'm going to do this now I'm going to do this now you know and that speaks to goals that speaks to much longer term plans and and like who you are as a person you know like the same thing goes like when I offer like you know the the moon meets I do them by donation I have no intention on ever changing that because that particular thing 
is something that I needed when I was younger and that I had $5 and I'd give 250 if I had, you yeah, know, like, so yeah. I understand there's certain things that are worth my time and my energy because I believe, and then there's other things that I should absolutely not do by donation. Yeah. And I absolutely do require my time and my energy. And it's like, those are my ways I give back to the community. Those are my ways I can meet those the different versions of people, the different experiences that I've had myself that I needed the safe spaces to grow. And, it's, you know. It's funny, though, because when you do things by donation, um, it puts you in a place where people, well, there's always those people who energetically just want to keep taking. And that, and mm -hmm. so when you set yourself up in a place where you're doing it, things by donation, you have to take on board a lot of that. And yeah. that involves a lot of line drawing boundary setting no that doesn't work for me and so I kind of wonder sometimes if energetically it's actually worth it yeah you know yeah it's um there's there's always a there's always the duality of things there's Absolutely. always that well I'm doing this for free but I'm for, you know that, that whole thing nothing comes for free yeah. there's I mean if you're giving something you are giving something yeah you know it's very true yeah yeah so it's um it's funny because you're talking about the moon meetings like, you know, I lived in Ojai in California and there's a lot of events there. There's some that are just done. Are, I mean, some people have some very spectacular homes and they can host big things in gardens and stuff like that. And I used to almost feel when you give somebody some money for something, it shows an investment. You know, I, I recently spoke to somebody who was saying that they – wanted were trying to figure out and they have a they have a lot of expertise in a certain area and I and they said they were only she said I'm only charging this for my classes and I went well that's the problem because if you don't charge very much money then people are not really going to be invested in it you need to <laughs> I said like you need to double the price that you are asking so if people come the right ones will come and they will come with intention and they find value then and they find also, they mm -hmm. find value in it also I mean for one that She's undervaluing herself, and she knows that too. Yeah. But it's also it's attracting the wrong kind of people, as my mom would say. You know, yeah. so it's it definitely finding the balance between that. I completely understand. Like for me, like I think it's super important. Like if I'm going to charge a certain ticketed price that feels good for me energetically, I also still want to have like one or two scholarships and then that person yeah, can invest yeah. time and they can like write down their reasoning for why they want to be a part of and then they also become helpers yes they, and like helpers. things of yeah. that yeah. things of that sort and I think that you know that's just that's the way that I'm able to balance that um humanitarian aspect of myself you know but yeah I like, always I always have space in anything I do there's always space for the people that I I want there who I know it might be a challenge for one so then absolutely. they're in they're, right, they're there in some sort of role. I have them there, you know? Yeah. Sometimes and I've struggled. Sometimes it's just because they make you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just, yeah, I've definitely struggled with the other aspect of, like, putting the ticketed item. I've done a lot of things for free for a long time, and that wasn't valuing my time and my energy, and it made me not feel good. Yeah. It made me not feel good. So I'm in the space where it's, like, also owning my worth, but also honoring myself and, and finding where that leads. And that comes with a lot of consolidation. And, you know, having the podcast too is like something that I was reflecting on because I was, just, I'm just reflecting on everything that I'm doing right now and, and seeing what I want to keep and what do I want to change? What do I want to eliminate rather? And that's um, life though. You exactly. constantly, if, 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 I mean, you, it, to be active in life means constantly sifting, constantly yes. evaluating, evaluating, constantly changing, constantly tweaking. 
and constantly on learning, learning all of the yeah. things in between. And like something that I've learned is like with this podcast, like I've truly grown with it. Like it, it has helped me immensely coming and speaking every day, having a safe space to amplify my voice as well as the people that I truly feel should be heard. Yeah. You know, that is, you know, I mean, feel free universe and anybody listening, <laughs> if you want to pay me for that, that's fine. But that is just, it's, it's priceless in that it aspect. Is. So I'm grateful for that. But yeah, I just want to also say thank you so oh, much. Oh, it's for, my pleasure. For it's coming my on pleasure. Here and sharing your Now, what is this lovely cup of tea that you gave me? So I mixed, um, there's Mexican mullein in there. Mullein's really good for the respiratory system. Calendula and. I've never heard of mullein. That's interesting. A mullein's really good for the respiratory system. It's really good to clear out the lungs. Yeah. You know, we're I think I that. need some of that. Oh, yeah. I've had a lot of. Recently. Yeah, oh, it pulls the mucus out. Yeah. So it's really good. Yeah, and right Maybe now it's, it's like the tea that I'm having because my eyes are getting pretty watery oh, while maybe. I'm in here. It might be. It might yeah. just be like expressing it out. Yeah. It definitely could be. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> There's spearmint in there and there is lemon balm, all organic, you know. All good. All good stuff and, and a lot of love and local honey. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, but yes, thank you so much thank for Thank you being so here much. Thank you, darling. I really appreciate it. Of Wasn't course. it great that we got to know each other a little bit? Yes, it really is. And I look forward to more opportunities Absolutely. for doing so. And Absolutely. I want to say thank you to everybody who has tuned in with us and who chose to invest your time and feel that this podcast, whether this episode or any other time, you know, that you've invested time in duality, that it was worth your time and really appreciate all of the energy and just for the encouragement, you know, it's like I've been faced with a lot of information. I, I'm very fortunate that a lot of people have told me how beautiful and how much they've gotten from it. And um, I don't want to cry on here. <laughs> um, but recently I've been kind of dealing with uh, more so of that aspect, the the inverse of that, you know, where where people have been saying more so like, like, why are you doing that? Like, what is your purpose in doing that? And more li more so questioning me. And um, in, in like, the realm of here. And... Um, you know what, though? It's nobody's fucking business. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's where I'm at with it, is, like, I allowed it to, to sift with it and to sit with it. But no one and nothing is going to shake me from knowing why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's not going to be the reason I stop. So Amen. I'll leave y'all on that. <laughs> <laughs> and have a great rest of your day, evening, wherever it is, whatever time, time and space. Enjoy your time. And I hope that you find new ways to honor your time and energy. So thanks. Thank See you. you <laughs>